Hello and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. So, hello folks, and welcome to yet another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I'm here with my Sales Chat Show posse, as usual, Mr. Graham Jones, Mr. Phil Jessen, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. We are today talking about what is the place of social media in modern selling. And Graham has some interesting research to share. And as you might expect from Mr. Jones, he's about to tell you that the role of social media in modern selling is not what most people think. Yeah, mo- most people I come into contact th- with in the world of business think that social media is about you know getting awareness of your products and services and getting uh, your sales points out there so people go, wow, that's interesting, I must buy that. And it seems much more as a transactional kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. the research that I've looked at shows that actually it's completely different to that and that people are missing a couple of really important tricks that social media can be used for that actually they're not using to sell and they could do this much better if only they took notion okay. of the, of this study. Okay, so, so take us take us through the, the, the research, the, the study? The research was done a f- uh, about three or four years ago and it was looking at the world's top 100 brands and the world's top 100 brands isn't decided. You don't put your hand up and go, I'm one of the world's top 100 brands. Yeah. It's done by Forbes magazine who, who have a process and decide, you know, that's yeah. the world's top 100 brands. And the reason this study was done with the world's top 100 brands was twofold. Firstly, they're all very public, so they're all going to have websites and social media activity and yeah. all of that. And their finances are public as well. They're all publicly quoted companies. So what this study was trying to do was see, was there a relationship between the profits of these business and the amount of social media activity they did? In other words, how much was social media driving that extra sales potential for the businesses? And it divided the people up into four categories. So it looked at the amount of... uh, online activity they were doing, how much social media they had, how many channels they had, were they on, you know, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, everything, did they have more than one Twitter account, so on, so how many channels did they have, and how frequently did they update those channels, how often were they blogging, how often were they updating Facebook and all of that, and so you had this kind of two components to the study and they found that there were four categories of people so there were the wallflowers the people who had just a few channels they may have had a blog a website and a twitter account just a a small number of channels and they didn't update them very often every now and then they did an update so they were wallflowers they sat there on the internet and looked pretty they didn't do very much then you had the people called selectives these were the brands who had a couple of channels So they may have had a blog and a a Facebook page, but they were very, very active, you know, blogging at least once, twice, sometimes three times a day, updating their Facebook page 10, 20 times a day. So these were very active people, but only in a selective area. So they they would choose a particular social media channel and and focus on it. That's it. So one, one good example of those brands was Gap. Yeah. in their study so they, they've got a, a great blog and a great website and so on 
but almost all of their social activity was on Facebook, and they, they ignored many other social channels at the time of the study. I mean, I'm guessing, is that because they found out which of those channels their ideal customers are using? I don't know what their motivation was, no, okay, but they, okay. they, it may well have been that. It may well have been that that's what they started with, and they were just got a team who were doing it yeah. before they'd investigated others. But I suppose that is a thought for people, yeah. you know, if your customers are using one particular channel more than another, that would be an obvious thing to... There's an internet marketing guru who says that if you want to get run over, you've got to stand in the middle of the lane. It's no good, as he says, standing on the sidewalk and trying to get the traffic to come over to you. You've got to go with. So if your traffic is on Facebook, don't go tweeting. You know, go go onto Facebook. So it may be that they chose Facebook because of that. It may just be historical accident, I don't know. Yeah. But they, yeah. there they were, they, the, the selective people, they'd chosen their channels, they'd only got a couple of them and they updated them frequently. Okay. Then you've got the people who are called butterflies in this study and these people had loads and loads and loads of channels. So they, some of them had like 20 or 30 Twitter streams and dozens of different pages on Facebook and loads of blogs and you know, they were everywhere, everywhere on the internet, on every social channel, you found an account for them. The problem was they'd got so many accounts they couldn't cope with updating them all. Yeah. So they kind of flitted from one, oh my goodness we've not done any tweeting this week, we'd better do some tweeting and of course they, whilst they were doing that they'd forgotten they hadn't done any Facebook. So this week they did loads of tweets and next week they realised they'd not been on Facebook for a while so so they flitted from one thing to another. So they were called butterflies. They were just yeah. flitting yeah. around all over the place because it was too difficult to manage. And then you'd got the people they called mavens, which is a Yiddish word meaning experts. And these were big brands, often many technical brands, but Starbucks was one of these brands, who had got dozens and dozens, if not hundreds, of different social media channels. But they were all updated significantly. Yeah. Huge amounts of updates. So what that meant was that those mavens had invested money, people, time, resources, everything into social media. And when they looked at the profitability of these companies, what it showed was that the, the revenues of all these companies had gone up over the year, apart from the wallflowers. All the wallflowers had reduced revenues. Okay. So the selectives, the butterflies and the mavens all increased their revenue. So that part of the argument was that social media was driving increased revenue, more sales. But of course you've got to take into account the fact that the mavens, the people who were getting the biggest amount of activity, must have invested billions collectively in extra staff, in extra time, in every, to do this. So you might have increased your revenue, but your profits could be completely hit because your costs have gone up. Yes. So when you look at the profits of these brands, the only people who actually increased their profits were these mavens, the people who'd invested more money in social media. So they are getting a return on investment. Absolutely. Whereas everybody else was losing profits. Right. So even though the butterflies and the selectives had increased revenue, their profits had gone down. And you were saying when we were talking about this session before we came on air that you you have a you have a view that. The results from yeah. the survey are not. You not think what they see. You think it's pointing to something so, else. So yeah. what it tell, what what the survey the people who published the survey said is that this shows that the more you invest in social media, the more you'll sell, and the more profits yeah. you'll make as a result. But that's a superficial analysis of it because if you've got to look at the companies who are involved, so when you look at those companies, you'd got companies who were highly innovative, who were had got 
a culture in their business of openness, of empowering their staff, of allowing their staff a lot more freedom. Mm. Those people were the mavens. And when you look at the wallflowers, those were very controlling businesses, very hierarchical businesses. The, the, the mavens had much flatter management structures, whereas the, the structures of the people in the, the place that lost money, the, these um, wallflowers, they had very, very strict hierarchical, often very old traditional businesses. There were pharmaceutical companies in there who were you know, very, very strict about what could be done. Uh, there were big franchise operators who dictated to franchisees precisely what they must do and they must not move. For it. So it's very controlling business. So essentially, it's kind of like a more autonomous, enabled culture. Yeah. Seems to be part of the mix from your, from your, from your point of view. So what, what that means is that when you've got that kind of culture that empowers people, allows them more freedom they're actually more capable of dealing with social media and more inclined to do it, whereas those controlling people, the people who work for a controlling sales director, yeah. won't go onto social media because they haven't been given permission to do so, which means any benefits you're getting from social media are not there because of the culture, not because of the social media. Okay. So if I'm a, a sales director listening to this, Graham, um, and I suppose the sales directors listening to this will be all over those different four levels yeah. or categories be, that you've been talking about. Yeah. Is there, you just give me one specific action that I could take as a sales director if I was a wallflower and wanted to move to either the next level or indeed go straight to the desired maven destination. I'm just interested in what's the one thing wallflowers should do? What's the one thing selective should do? The one thing butterflies should do? The one thing mavens should do? To yeah. move through those kind of categories. Or, or indeed to maintain yeah. it in the case or, of yeah. the main. What, what, would, what would your one idea be? I think if you're in that worst position, that wallflower position, I think getting to the mavens position is not going to be easy for a sales director because it depends on the whole business as a whole. Yeah. So one of the things the sales director needs to do is talk to everybody else in the business, people in operations, in manufacturing, and everything else in the business to start getting people to think of the different ways of operating the business so they can move forward. But as a sales team, what they can certainly do is start talking to the sales staff about the opportunities for blogging, for all those kind of things, and to put in process, even if they have to follow the kind of the rules of the business and have a bit of an editorial process so there's review of this but to start getting people used to being able to do these things even in a limited way will start moving them in that direction whereas at the moment a lot of those businesses are going well we don't do it because we can't yeah. it's because there is the, obviously the nervousness isn't yeah. there if I allow people to do this will they say something they shouldn't That's they it. shouldn't say yeah. so and, and I, I kind of I kind of understand yeah. that concern but it might be a chance worth taking because unless you're employing, unless your recruitment's bad, you do need to trust the capability, yeah. intelligence of your people. You yeah, should, I think, in my opinion, you should do so. If your staff are going to be saying the wrong thing, then you've got the wrong staff. That's yeah, yeah. You're clear. Now, you as a sales director may not necessarily be responsible entirely on your own for the employment of your staff because yeah, there may yeah. be some kind of panel, there may be other mm -hmm. uh, sectors involved. So. That may worry you what they might say in public, but if you 
you know, one of your salespeople. I mean, I, I did this recently with a, a firm of lawyers. They'd got a, a, a senior lawyer who couldn't progress because the number of partnerships just wasn't going to expand. They were worried about losing him. And I said, well, what's he interested in? They said, well, all he ever talks about is Facebook. And I said, well, why don't you make him your company's social media manager? And so they they haven't got one. Yeah. And they said, well, what benefit will give? They've now got active Facebook pages, and this lawyer is responsible for running them. There'll be a salesperson in your team who loves social media personally. You can use them as your editor to get all the other people so that it all goes through a process so that you as a sales director have at least put in place a process of benefiting from social media but maintaining the strict controls you might have. So I have a number of clients who just have a very simple social media do's and don'ts. Yeah. Page policy really. Yeah. So one page, you know, don't don't comment on politics, don't comment on uh, religion, don't you know, things that yeah. things that could be, you know, very personal to people. Keep it you know, don't mention clients' names on, yeah. you know, without the client's without permission. Without permission, yeah. And those, so they just, most of it's just like a simple one page of things yeah. to I do. I think you can mention politics don't. if you're selling to political parties. Uh, of course, I think you yes, can mention yes. religion if you're selling to religious to, to organisations. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah the, these were not, these were definitely, <laughs> yeah. but it was just trying to give them some guidance of things to, you know, and, and you know, how to behave professionally on yeah. social media. And then I think if you give people a sensible guideline, they'll probably follow it. That's right, they do, because yeah, they want to keep their jobs. Yeah. Whereas at the other end, the Mavens didn't have to issue these guidelines because everybody was already bought into it. I remember watching a TV programme uh, several years ago about a famous airline had a TV programme um, you know, following it, I can't mention uh, who they are no, for obvious no. reasons because that would be far too easy. And so, um, but they, I remember watching a program about their recruitment, and they were interviewing various people who wanted to be cabin crew. And then at the end, the, the, all these people had been interviewed, and the the three people, the HR people on the panel, just turned to each other and said, "Is he orange?" And it was kind of they didn't have to say whether they'd pass the the psychometric tests or you know any of the the interview it was did that person fit the the orange color of easyjet did yeah. they feel that they were one of us and when you've got staff who are like that actually they don't need the rules because they know what the rules are they, it's kind of embedded with them already it's a cultural piece so yeah. so the the mavens are, are have have got that right and they but then what you've got to do is make sure that those people are that they're writing or using social media in such a way that it's more directed and focused mm. because if you give them the opportunity to be free they will be free and they can be writing about anything and do and then of course you diminish the value of your social media because it's too wide and there's yeah. lack of focus so at the other end to answer Phil's point you've got to focus those people and that may be providing them you know with themes to write about with ideas with you know this is where we're heading with our and so I suppose sales to, at the moment. the selectives, it's about, as a sales director, it's about making sure you're choosing the right channels and, and providing the proper focus yeah. on those, I suppose. And just be being that. sure, I guess, that the channel that's being selected isn't just down to lack of information or, or just some personal yes. prejudice. Yes, if somebody, absolutely. If yeah. somebody is anti-Twitter for whatever reason, then that mm. might now become a company policy. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 hear this, yeah. I hear this conversation quite frequently where someone will say something like, well, I just don't get Twitter. And then they'll dismiss Twitter. Well, it's not whether you get Twitter, it's whether your customers 
because if your customers are into Twitter, you need to be into Twitter. So you know, there's no, there's just no two ways about yeah. it. But there are, there's a lot of opinion stated about social media, often by people who don't understand it particularly well, well or who have so. never looked at the data and what's going yes. on. Yeah. Going, yeah. going back a few years, of course, there was a view that LinkedIn was for business and Facebook was for personal. Yeah. Well, that's long since been disproved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Facebook requires business in order to earn the 40 billion that it earned last yeah. year. It wouldn't have that if there weren't businesses paying for it. So there's a huge amount of business yeah. going on on Facebook. But I have seen a few people reacting quite strongly on LinkedIn to people behaving inappropriately, like using it as a, a dating site. Someone actually took a screenshot of, of someone who'd made a rather flirtatious comment on LinkedIn about someone's profile photo so the, the lady concerned took a screenshot and posted it so I think people have to obviously yeah. be sensible don't you've got to be sensible but if you if you've you know as a business if you've employed the right people all those kind of things in place then it's not going to be too much of a problem but I think the other thing about this the mavens is that the empowerment to allow people to yeah. be more flexible with their time and so on means that actually they're using social media for another advantage which is missed in sales as well and that's the other point of this study they're using that in order to research the marketplace to research sales to find out what's going on to look at the data so they can go well there are more people buying this than this and and using whereas the people who are down at the wallflower end because the culture says don't use social media what happens is that they don't use social media and therefore they don't benefit from the research capability of it. So back to one of the points you made kind of at the top of the show was around it being social media going outbound to attract people to sell. You're talking here, the Mavens, this is a two-way street. Quite. This is a flow between yeah. themselves, which is the social part Quite. It's of not, the social It's media. not just saying, you know, here's our products, here's our services, would you like to buy? Yeah. It's questioning the marketplace, it's looking at what's going on, it's analysing data. And if you've got an empowered workforce, they won't feel guilty about spending their time on Facebook finding out that information, whereas the people working for those controlling businesses will not go onto Facebook in the office because it will be deemed to be the wrong thing to do. Yes. And in fact, what you find in those businesses, very interesting, there is an, a, a study that looks at the amount of time people spend in the toilet. And in those empowered businesses, uh, they spend less time than in the controlling businesses. And the controlling businesses have staff spending more time in the toilet. And the reason they're doing that is because they're going onto Facebook to do personal stuff because they don't want to be seen using Facebook at their desk. And just the joy of breaking the rules, I guess. Yeah, quite. Yeah. So there you are, you're, you're restricted. So, oh no, I'm not. Oh, I'm not. I can do what I like. I can go to the toilet and go also, onto, onto Facebook. It also makes me wonder whether you're almost allowing more people into your sales force in a certain way. You know, by people may not be in a quote unquote sales position, but they might be quoting, uh, sorry, blogging or, or whatever on some technical aspect, which will be useful yeah. to the customer. So you've got more, and I'm sure the employee engagement effects. Yeah. must be fantastic to the organisation where people are, if they've taken the time and trouble to, to, to put activity out on social media, I think that means you've got an engaged employee Quite. in your hands. You see, so, you see that with big companies like IBM, who've got really engaged technical people who are 
busy writing blogs and tweeting and doing all kinds of social media associated, but they're not selling, they're, they're mm. not the people selling, they're the technical people, but the people who are selling within the organisation are dependent upon those people being seen as experts mm. because you've got engaged people who've got the freedom. In fact, several years ago, I, for a classification of staff within IBM, and uh, IBM employs 300,000 people, so it wasn't yeah. all of them, it was a certain group of staff, they changed their employment contracts to insert a clause, and that clause says, you must blog. So there's a clause okay. in their contract <laughs> yes. requiring them to blog. And people at the time thought, this is bonkers, but it wasn't bonkers, because what it was was saying to these people, you know, we trust you, just write about what you know. Yeah, You're the experts, knowledge. just share your knowledge. And that means that they've empowered those people, but they've empowered them officially, and the result of that is that there's lots of social media activity, and you can't move for the expertise that IBM has got on the internet, and that helps the salespeople when they're, you know, they can share articles that are done by, um, you know, expert staff. And I think in the, to, to, uh, Phil is occupying the sort of perspective of a sales, from a sales director. I piece of research I shared, I was speaking at a, a conference and I, for an IT client uh, yesterday, and I shared a little bit of data, a little bit of research. And the question was, what percentage of senior buyers use social media as part of their decision-making process? So working on the assumption here, or the, the, the hunch, that because they're a senior buyer in a senior position, they are likely to be, or no, maybe not always, but likely to be older. So I'm guessing late 40s, early 50s, most senior management will be. Very different in some companies, I understand, but it's general. That's just, I think, important and an important point. Uh, the research by IPC showed 84% of senior buyers use social media as part of their buying decision. And if, if they are of that age group, if my hunch is correct, they are not people who grew up with social media. No. We, as and I'm 15, 52, I was introduced to social media. Whereas millennials, quote-unquote, have grown up immersed in social media, so that figure is only going yeah, to increase. They don't know anything up, else, do they? Up, yeah, absolutely. Probably up to something like a hundred percent in yeah. the next in the next five years. So you do need to have a good social media presence because that is how people are researching you and finding yeah. out about you and looking and seeing what people are saying about you. So you know, I think there's an important, important, uh, important point for all sales managers uh, and company owners, if you're listening in, to, to yeah. consider. I, I wouldn't say social media is compulsory, but what I would say is that you've got to have a plan as to how you're going to use social media if you're going to use it, and if you are going to attract that 84%, and I look forward to reaching that age group where I'm one of those 84%, <laughs> uh, but where, if, 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 if you are going to try and target those people, there are 16% who are not using it, so you're, you might be in that 16%. So don't think this is the complete solution, but the empowerment of your staff and that culture will enable your staff to work out should they be aiming at the 84 or the 16 and work out what to do. Fantastic. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? No, I think that's all very clear. Okay, fantastic, Mr. Jones. Uh, just um, think about your company culture. Yeah, I think... Recruit really good people, yeah. 
and then give them the freedom and the autonomy to do a really good job That's for it. you yeah. and then I think you'll find you get great results. It'll all work out. Great results. Yeah. And you might have a little bump in the road from time to time that's probably a price worth paying yeah. for the for the upward benefits. So that's been Simon Hazeldean, Phil Jessen and the 23-year-old Graham Jones <laughs> from the sales chat show. Who's clearly had a hard life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must be 23, 24, something, something like that. Uh, plus VAT. Bad and tear. So, uh, I'm sure that's what VAT stands for. Uh, so, there are a lot more episodes on the Sales Chat Show. You can find them all at saleschatshow.com. So, thank you very much for listening in. We'd just like to wish you good luck and good selling. have been listening to an episode of the sales chat show to stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success please visit saleschatshow.com thank you very much for listening to this episode and from everyone here at the sales chat show we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling (laughs) 